When I was a boy back in the 1980s, my parents and I would regularly road trip down to Kansas City, where my mom's sister's family lived. And once when I was down there, my cousin, who was a few years older than I, took me out to the Worlds of Fun amusement park. I was beyond excited as I looked at all the food, the games, and of course, the rides. She led me over to one particular ride, though, and suddenly my excitement got mixed with a bit of fear. I gulped. I'll tell you what happened, coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome, friends, to The Inner Life, offering you a bit of spiritual direction for your journey with Jesus each day. I'm Patrick Conley. The ride my cousin had brought me to was a roller coaster, but it was one that had a loop in it. I had never been on a ride that took me all the way upside down in my young years. So I paused. And noticing my hesitation, my cousin asked me if I'd rather not ride it. No, I offered in a tremulous voice. I'll try it. So we got in line and eventually took our seats in the car assigned to us. And she again tried to offer a bit of consolation. She said, it'll be fine. But if you don't like it, we don't have to go on any more rides like this. I gulped again and nodded. The ride began with that slow clack, clack, clack up the huge first hill. When we reached the top, it paused momentarily, and then, whoosh, we were off at great speed, down and around and back up and back and forth, and then came the loop. We headed into it all the way up and around and upside down, and before I knew it, we had slowed down and were headed back into the loading area. Oh, when the ride came to a stop, my cousin looked over at me, curious as to what I was feeling. I looked up at her and with a huge smile on my face said, let's do it again. Yeah, I've loved roller coasters ever since. The great speed, the stomach-turning drops, and yes, even the loops. And one of the things I think that makes roller coasters so great is that it requires no effort, no input from me, the rider. I go where the roller coaster is designed to go, and I make no decisions along the way. I suppose another way of looking at it is that I am completely at the mercy of the ones who designed and built and maintained the ride. Well, many people have suggested that life is like a roller coaster with its ups and downs. The life of faith could be described as a roller coaster too, I suppose. But the difference is, in your life, your decisions have a direct impact on where you go. Up, down, to the side, or, yeah, around a loop. And beyond your decisions, there are other influences, other voices, if you will, that would seek to influence your decisions and guide you into times of consolation and into times of desolation. But how do you discern whether these voices are helpful or hurtful, whether they are of the Lord or the enemy or just yourself? That's the whole realm of the discernment of spirits, which is our topic of the show for today. Joining us as our spiritual director is Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a priest with the Oblates of Mary, dedicated to giving retreats and spiritual formation in the light of St. Ignatius and his spiritual exercises. And currently, he resides in Denver, where he holds the St. Ignatius Chair for Spiritual Formation at the St. John Vianney Theological Seminary. Father Gallagher, it's a privilege to have you on the program. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me, Patrick. And your lead-in is perfect. I'd love to just take off on that, if I may. Please, yeah. Start us off in discernment of spirits. 
Well, the first thing that I do when I have groups and I'm presenting discernment of spirits is just to ask the question, what is discernment of spirits? And then what I'll say is that most of us probably would have uh, an answer, but we would feel that, well, we wish we knew more than we did you know, mm-hmm. in answering. And uh, so this is how I would present it. Um, we all know that as we live the daily spiritual life, there are times in which God feels close. And prayer is alive. Uh, we look forward to being in church. We read the scriptures. We pray the Psalms. <clears throat> we take new steps in the spiritual life. And there's energy and a sense of God's closeness and love and the fruitfulness of it. But then if we're honest, we'll also recognize that there are times, and we don't even always understand the reason for it, when the bottom seems to drop out of that energy. So there's your roller coaster. You know, yeah. when, And at, right. such, at such times, um, again, if we're honest, we don't even really want to pray. And if we do pray, we're not very happy with the quality uh, of our prayer. All that energy for new steps seems to be gone. We can get discouraged and think, what's the point, and regress in various ways spiritually. So these ups and downs are going on all the time in the daily spiritual life. And St. Ignatius' teaching on discernment of spirits is the clearest and most usable teaching in our entire Catholic spiritual tradition. Of course, Ignatius himself depends on that tradition. But his expression of it is the clearest and most usable that we have in the whole Catholic spiritual tradition for understanding these ups and downs and knowing how to respond to them. Mm. Uh, 14 short, simple, essential, practical rules that'll get you through all of this well. Wow. Well, looking forward to diving into those, certainly as we're talking about discernment of spirits today, of course. But uh, why don't you give us a little introduction to St. Ignatius um, specifically, and uh, maybe give us his first principle and foundation, if you would, Father. Sure. So we're speaking of 16th century Spain. Ignatius dies in 1556. And uh, his first 30 years, it's it's kind of an Augustine story. Uh, Never doubted his Catholic faith, but there weren't many of the Ten Commandments that he didn't break in a pretty serious way in those Uh years. He was pretty far from God in the way he was living. And then at 30, he's wounded in battle, has a long convalescence, and to pass the time, asks for reading and is given the only books in the house, uh, one of which is a book of meditations on the life of Christ, and the other a volume with lives of the saints. And somewhat unwillingly, but to pass the time, he begins to read. And that's where everything begins to change, because he discovers a new kind of greatness. Everything in him wanted uh, to be great and renowned, and he's thinking of uh, deeds of battle and romantic exploits and so forth. But now in Francis and Dominic and the others, he sees another kind of greatness and is drawn toward it. And what happens is that he finds himself thinking intensely about, call it a worldly project, which would mean uh, essentially returning to the way he was living before. And now this new project, call it the holy project, you know, of living like the saints, another kind of greatness. Mm. And the turning point comes when he realizes that although both projects are really exciting, awaken energy and enthusiasm, something is different in the one case and the other. After he's been thinking about living in the worldly way and goes on with the day, his heart is empty and dry and discontented, he says. Whereas when he's been thinking about living like the saints and then goes on with the day, his heart remains happy. And that's the key insight that opens up the whole uh, realm of discernment for him. And, of course, he follows the Holy Project with the uh, results that we know. 
And then not too much later, he begins to write his spiritual exercises. And from those, uh, you've taken the phrase principle and foundation. Mm -hmm. And that is, in any choice that we face, if we want to discern God's will well, we can only do it if the discernment is built on a solid foundation. And, uh, you know, our world gives us all kinds of, call them foundations in quotes, you know, just do it, follow your bliss and whatever. You know, so many things that are there in the culture today with a mixture of um, some truth and a lot of confusion, you know, in them. But there's only one solid, true foundation on which to build a solid discernment. And that is that I am in this world because God loved me from eternity enough to create me and put me into the world at this time in order that I might be faithful to the task that he has given me in this world, which is a sharing in my own vocation in the redemptive work of Jesus, and by so doing to gain an eternity of, uh, of life with him. And so that any choice that I make that involves places, occupations, possessions, relationships, and so forth, has to be judged in the light of that principle and foundation. And when we do that, then our discernments are solid and they get us to where God wanted us to be when he placed us into the world. Oh, okay. Well, good uh, good foundation. I can understand why that's the foundation when we're talking about that. And um, obviously, the the roles you you did talk about this in your in your uh, opening opening talk there, Father, about consolation and desolation. But maybe just again define those two things for us as Saint Ignatius would have would have defined them. Yeah, these are the two basic spiritual experiences that are part of the ordinary, ongoing. I'd say undramatic but therefore uh, critically important spiritual life, because almost all of the spiritual life takes place on this daily level. And uh, by consolation, he means uplifting, joyful, happy movements of the heart on the level of our relationship with God. So, uh, for example, uh, we read in the life of Therese, of the child Jesus, that this is in the last months of her life. At one point, she's out in the Garden of the Carmel, and she sees underneath uh, a tree in front of her a mother hen, the nuns kept hens for obvious reasons, and uh, with the wings outstretched and the little heads of the chicks peeping out from under the safety of their mother's wings. And she does what I think any of us would do if we saw that scene. She stops and she enjoys looking at a charming scene from nature. But as she gazes at this, it dawns on her that this is the image that God uses in the scriptures to reveal his faithful, protecting love for his people. Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you as a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings, or so often in the Psalms, hide me in the shelter of your wings. And then a very warm, deep uh, surge of gratitude wells up in her heart, and her tears begin to fall as the image before her speaks to her of God's faithful, protecting love, not only for his people, but she sees there the image of her own life. As she writes, this is what he has done for me throughout all my life. He has hidden me in the shelter of his wings. Now, uh, we're on holy ground there. I'll approach that reverently. But that would be an example of what Ignatius means by spiritual consolation. And we've all had this. Uh, Times when we're reading a verse from Scripture or something works out and our hearts lift up in gratitude to God. Its opposite is, and now spiritual consolation is a work of God. It is a grace. Spiritual desolation is exactly the opposite, and it is, to my mind, the the real obstacle 
for most dedicated people, for most of the way in the spiritual life. And that's why I've really come to love what Ignatius does, because better than anyone else in our tradition, again, upon which he depends, he has um, given us a teaching that allows us to understand and then overcome spiritual desolation. So spiritual desolation is a heavy movement of the heart. Uh, discouragement, anxiety, hopelessness, uh, fear, and so forth. Heavy movements of the heart on the spiritual level, on the level of our relationship with God. So let's say um, here's a man who had a difficult situation at work uh, three days ago, and the tension is still there, and it's, it's weighing on him. And let's say that he and his wife had a conversation last night um, about how she's working with their college-age daughter who's struggling. And the conversation didn't resolve all that well. There's a little bit of tension there. And so all of this is a bit discouraging. And he rises this morning to, uh, he has the practice of spending 20 minutes in prayer with Scripture every morning. And um, let's say today's gospel is uh, Peter and the Catch of Fish. But nothing in him really wants to be there at prayer uh, his whole sense is nothing's going to come out of this. Uh, there's the temptation just even not to do it, or if he does it, to shorten it. He doesn't feel God's closeness. All the energy for spiritual things is not gone. All right, what I'm describing there is a natural you know, work uh, situation with their daughter, vulnerability into which the enemy, that's Ignatius' term for the, the um, well, Satan and his associated fallen angels, assisted by the wound of concupiscence and harmful influences around us in the world. It's just the classic triad, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Um, Into which the enemy brings this kind of discouragement on the spiritual level. Now, if the man is not aware of this, uh, doesn't understand this simply as the tactic of the enemy that it is, and actually a good sign, because the, the man is doing something wonderful in the spiritual life and growing, and the enemy's trying to discourage him from it. But if he believes the lies and the discouragement, maybe he won't pray that day and maybe the next. But if, and and this is where Ignatius instructs us, as I say, better than anyone else, he has the wisdom that Ignatius shares with us. Okay, this is just spiritual desolation. There's no shame in experiencing this. It's actually a sign of growth in the spiritual life that the enemy is trying to hinder it. No surprise, this is something every saint, everyone who loves the Lord has ever experienced. live the spiritual life. We all experience it at times, and there are ways to reject this, and does reject it, and goes forward solidly with his prayer that day. Not only is he not harmed, but he's growing. So those are the two basic spiritual movements, spiritual consolation from God, spiritual desolation from the enemy. Wow, very good. Okay, well, we're we're making some progress. we got a ways to go, though, yet, as with our spiritual director, Father Timothy Gallagher, who is leading us through this conversation, this great conversation on Ignatian Discernment of Spirits. And Father, I'm looking at, um, specifically, I'm looking at an outline from your book, well, one of your many books, but uh, your book, The Discernment of Spirits, An Ignatian Guide for Everyday Living. And uh, and I'm seeing that uh, it looks like rules four through eight really talk about this spiritual desolation and things that, like you were just hinting at, there are things that we can do in response to this or, or during the midst of spiritual desolation to keep ourselves from falling f- falling away from God, yeah? Yeah, let me just start with the first of them, because I would hope that anyone listening to this conversation, if you were to forget everything else that uh, Patrick and I say, and I know you won't, but it's a way of making a point, I I would Mm -hmm. beg of you, please never forget Rule 5, because Rule 5, 
which is the first of the rules giving us tools to reject spiritual desolation. Rule five will get you safely through almost any darkness you may ever experience in the spiritual life. And very essentially, rule five is this, in time of desolation, never make a change. If you know that here's the man, those 20 minutes of uh, desolate prayer, and there's the uh, suggestion, why don't you let it go today? Um, Maybe you could just uh, shorten it. If he knows rule five, all he has to do is, is ask and answer two questions. Am I in a time of spiritual desolation? Yes, I am. Am I in a time of spiritual desolation thinking of changing a spiritual proposal that I had in place before the desolation began? Again, I am. Rule five gives him all the clarity that he needs to get well through the desolation. In time of desolation, never make a change. So he knows in the light of rule five, that his call is to be there for the, not 19, but for the full 20 minutes and to do his best in the prayer. Uh, Very sure that by so doing, he's actually going to be growing spiritually. And of course, the enemy is going to try to get us to change those proposals in time of desolation, because if we're faithful to them, that fidelity itself will very often be the end of the desolation. Uh, Let me just give one more example. Please. So uh, uh, let's take the man's wife and uh, she and her husband have that, tense conversation about how their hand, she's handling uh, their daughter in college, and that's discouraging for her. Um, and let's say she's not responding all that well to it. Um, she has her practices of prayer, but being discouraged, maybe those are slipping a little bit. And you know how we do, Patrick, in time of desolation, we can tend to look for something more gratifying, you know, yeah. be it social media or YouTube or refrigerators or whatever it might be. Sure, right. And maybe, and um, none of us can stand on any pedestal on this. You know, this is all of us. And maybe she's um, giving in a little bit that way. She has it on her calendar on Saturday to go down to the parish uh, for confession at 4 p.m. And this would be, uh, she has a regular rhythm of confession, and this would be the next time. And now it's Saturday morning, and there's the discouragement. There's not much energy for spiritual things. Certainly doesn't feel uh, the Lord's closeness and love. And she remembers that at 4 p.m. Uh, she's planning to go to confession, but she finds herself thinking, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm not even in the best condition to, to do confession as fruitfully as I would really want it to be. Uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll let it go till next week. All right, same two questions. Is she in a time of spiritual desolation? She is. Is she in a time of spiritual desolation thinking of changing a spiritual proposal she had in place before the desolation began? Again, she is. So clearly in the light of Rule 5, Ignatius says, don't make that change. Get yourself to confession exactly as you had planned before the desolation began. And of course the enemy doesn't want that. Because if she does go to confession at four, very likely that's going to be the end of the desolation. So uh, that's simply rule five. But that gives, you know, think of that and then 13 other rules and, and the, 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 uh, the depth and simplicity and usability of, uh, of these rules. That's what Ignatius is offering us. Hmm. We're speaking about discernment of spirits and uh, sp- we'll get into spiritual direction as well, Father. We'll definitely talk on that and touch on that as well. We've been focusing here most recently on desolation and uh, that's that's our that's our our focus and, and and specifically as I see desolation as a time when you can you can really sense that the the uh, 
the enemy is at work, I think, if we have our eyes open to that. And I love that rule, don't make a change in that. When was a time you experienced spiritual desolation? Did you handle it well? Did you make a change or did you stick to that with that fidelity? Did you stick with what the Lord has continued to call you into and through? Did you stick to your daily routine of prayer and sacraments and that sort of thing? What did you do? A testimony either, yep, I did it well, or nope, I kind of fell apart with that. We'd love to hear from you. 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. You can also send us an email at innerlife at relevantradio.com. We're going to take our first break, but we'll be back with lots more to come on spiritual direction, the discernment of spirits with our spiritual director, Father Timothy Gallagher, right after this. Stay with us. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at RelevantRadio.com quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. We are talking today about the discernment of spirits with our spiritual director, Father Timothy Gallagher, priest of the Oblates of Mary, author of nearly a dozen books on discernment and prayer and others as well. And uh, there are very, very good things that we're learning from him today about spiritual consolation and spiritual desolation. And Father, I, uh, I don't necessarily want to belabor the point too much, but because, as you said, we all find ourselves in these times of spiritual desolation from time to time. Um, there are other rules that St. Ignatius has. Uh, it's he, said, he talks about it being a time for initiative, a time for resistance, and a time for patience as well. Do you want to touch on those? With, uh, how, how would that be helpful in our conversation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would warmly encourage anyone listening who uh, feels that there might be... <laughs> There might be. There definitely is. For 40 years, I've been teaching and writing on this, uh, every one of us. What will happen is if you learn those 14 rules, you'll say, how can you live the spiritual life without this wisdom? Uh, That's Mm. universally what people say. So I would really encourage people to uh, pursue this further. Uh, You mentioned rules 6, 7, and 8 there briefly. Um, instead of being passive in time of desolation, the call is always with hope, with energy, using the means to resist it. Um, it the desolation is going to want to make you feel that, oh, I can't pray today, I can't do, do, take this next step in the spiritual life, and remember that you can, because even though you don't feel it, God is always giving you all the grace that you need to get safely through the desolation. And then you mentioned Rule 8, uh, a time for patience. Desolation, if we're not aware of it and don't understand uh, what the enemy is doing to try to discourage us, will try to tell us that, you know what you're experiencing now? It's just going to go on like this. That's that's your spiritual life. And Ignatius calls us uh, to remember consciously that, no, desolation always ends, consolation always returns, and this happens much sooner than the desolation wants us to believe. But I'd like, Patrick, if we could, uh, maybe to, to move to Rule 13, which is also going to move us toward the spiritual direction uh, that you wanted to get to. Yeah, definitely. And so if, if I may, I'll, I just said uh, a few minutes ago that I begged of us never to forget Rule 5, mm-hmm. saying that Rule 5 would get us safely through almost any darkness we might ever experience in the spiritual life. But I can amplify that now. 
and say that I beg of us to never forget rules 5 and 13 together because those two rules, if we put those into practice, will get us safely through any spiritual struggle or darkness we may ever experience. So rule 5, when you're in the darkness of desolation, don't change anything that you'd plan to do spiritually before that desolation began. And then rule 13, when you're feeling the discouragement, the burdens, the temptations, the anxieties in the spiritual life, don't be alone with it. But find a wise and competent spiritual person and speak with that person. And if you do those two things, uh, no changes in the darkness, and then find a wise person with whom to speak, that, that gets us safely through anything. And um, I'd like to expand a little bit on, you know, all right, who is that person, right? How do, yeah. how do we find that person? Now, it is, Ignatius is very clear on this. He's not saying that we just speak with anyone, uh, maybe someone who knows less than we do about the spiritual life. He's very clear on this. Uh, this is someone, he says, who knows the enemy's deceits and malicious designs, the kind of teaching that Ignatius gives us in uh, his 14 rules. So this is a knowledgeable person in the spiritual life. Who might that be? Um, obviously, it could be a priest. It could be um, a trained spiritual director. It could be anyone who is uh, really knowledgeable and wise so that this person will be able to understand well when we speak with that person. All right, how do we find that person? Well, our thoughts go firstly, obviously, to spiritual direction when that's possible so that we're meeting regularly with somebody who is uh, a wise and competent uh, spiritual director. That's an age-old honored uh, tradition in our church, and it is extremely fruitful where we can find that. I know the question arises, well, it's not always so easy to find that kind of person. I'd say if you're you're interested in spiritual direction, don't give up too quickly, Uh, but continue to look. We, We do have a promise from the Lord who says, seek and you will find. Um, another way in which we can be accompanied, and I think this is underused um, more than it ought to be, is confession. Because confession, that's available to everyone. Find uh, a good confessor, one with whom you, um, you, you feel that there's a certain connection there, and uh, you can sense the spiritual wisdom there, and, and go regularly to confession, if you can, to that uh, particular priest. And it may be only a few words or a few sentences of spiritual direction in the confession, but there's a big difference between being basically alone in your spiritual life, which you don't want to be. That's the whole point of a church. That's why Jesus founded a church, so that we strengthen each other along the way. But uh, there's a big difference between basically being alone in your spiritual life and then having that regular contact uh, with a confessor and where maybe just a little bit of spiritual direction uh, will be available. Retreats. Uh, There's an age-old practice of making an annual retreat, and on a retreat, you can speak with uh, the retreat director. And again, there's a big difference between a spiritual life in which we're alone and one in which at least yearly uh, we have a chance to speak with a wise and competent spiritual person. And I'd say for people in uh, the married vocation, you have a help that is only found in marriage. Priests don't have it. Nuns don't have it. People in the single condition, of course, there are many resources, but this particular help is found only in marriage, and that's your spouse. 
And you're not trying to be each other's spiritual director, but you're just trying to be spiritual friends and spousal spiritual friends. One of the books I did is called Discernment of Spirits in Marriage. And uh, we watch Mark and Anne, a married couple, go through everything that Ignatius describes in the 14 rules. And it's about halfway through the journey that Mark, who's been struggling a lot, finally discovers that all the time his greatest help was right there in the house with him. And uh, an evening comes when he asks Anne, uh, can we speak? And her heart lifts because she knows finally that he's ready to talk about the burden, you know, that she sensed in him. And from that point on, things begin to change as they share with each other. I've seen beautiful things in marriage along these uh, lines. And then just spiritual friends. Again, we're not trying to be each other's spiritual director. I remember a woman telling me that she and a group of her friends, they were all young mothers, on uh, Saturday mornings, they'd get together for brunch, and it was just great being together. But they all knew that at a certain point, the conversation would move to the spiritual level, and they found it enormously strengthening. And of course, today with video possibilities and so on, there are all sorts of channels that are available to us on this level. So my, my or groups in a parish and so forth, my suggestion is that all of us find a web of ways of being accompanied in the spiritual life. And in the long run, I think it's that web of connections that creates sustainability in the spiritual life. So there's rule five and rule 13 together that are a sure, uh, a sure uh, path through any darkness or struggle and a sure path for growth. Talking about Ignatian discernment of spirits with our spiritual director, Father Timothy Gallagher. When was a time when you were accompanied, or perhaps you've accompanied someone else in their spiritual journey? Perhaps you were uh, seeking to make a decision in your life. Uh, maybe you were seeking the will of God in a particular way, and someone else helped you along the way. Maybe you have a good experience with spiritual direction, or you have a question about spiritual direction. All of these and more are welcome here at the Inner Life Triple Eight Nine One Four Nine One Four Nine. Again, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Well, let's go to John, then, who's calling in from Portland, Oregon. Good morning, John. Welcome to the Inner Life. Good morning. Uh, I want to thank uh, Father Gallagher. I did, uh, with the men's discussion group out at uh, Christ the King Parish in Oregon, uh, we went through your discernment book, uh, and it gave great insight uh, and uh, the brilliance of Ignatius, St. Ignatius, so long ago about what we do psychologically and internally. And uh, about by, by chance, about two years after I went through that program, uh, when we studied the book, I had a series of spinal surgeries and then another surgery after that. And I want to just say that stay in the course. If I had a prayer life and I was able to maintain it and that just gave me all sorts of hope and uh, and I attribute it to understanding the principles that Ignatius laid out what you wrote in great detail and great understanding so thank you very much mm-hmm. John I'm, I'm very happy to hear that and um, I couldn't um, I don't know affirm more strongly what you've just said that it really does make all the difference doesn't it when we're aware of what's going on, because this spiritual experience is always going on in our hearts and in our thoughts, and we can understand what's of God and what's of the enemy, and then we have the tools to respond to it. So 
So I'm just really happy to hear uh, what you said. When you go through these rules, it, it's more than, I don't know, a momentary encouragement, which it certainly is, but it's a deep formation. And it gives you an understanding and spiritual tools to use that you take for the rest of your life. So, John, I'm really happy to hear about the group, and I'm really happy to hear about the difference that Ignatius has made for you. And may God's blessings continue. Mm. Yes, John, thank you for the call. Thank you for the testimony. Again, uh, Father Gallagher. And actually, Father Gallagher, this might be a good time just to know if people are interested in learning more about you and the many books that you've authored on the subject of discernment of spirits, of spiritual direction, that sort of thing. Where can they find out more about you? Well, everything is available on uh, Amazon, all over the place, on YouTube. Uh, but specific uh, resources, I have a website, which is just fr for Father frtimothygallagher.org, and all of the resources are available there. And then the other place uh, to look into would be Discerning Hearts, either the website discerninghearts.com or the app Discerning Hearts, uh, the Discerning Hearts app, and that's a free resource. And if you go on there, uh, just download it from the App Store, uh, open it up, tap on Spiritual Formation, and a list of speakers will come up. You'll see me there. Tap on that, and it will take you to uh, many series of podcasts that I've done. The first one is on the material about which we're speaking now, and that is the 14 rules. It's just entitled Discernment of Spirits, and it's 16 half-hour podcasts that uh, will take you through that. But there are podcasts on many different Ignatian materials and some other things as well. I, I really hope that anyone listening to us will be encouraged to follow up on this material because I can promise you from 40 years of experience uh, that this will make a very, very blessed difference in your spiritual life. And you know, Patrick, mm-hmm. when I first began doing this in the 1980s, I could not have foreseen the current circumstances. Spiritual desolation is something that we all deal with uh, it's always been there. It's just part of living the spiritual life in a fallen but redeemed and loved world. But I'd say in the last, oh, I don't know, five or six years, there are um, increasing vulnerabilities to spiritual desolation. You know, if you look at, of course, the pandemic and its consequences, the political, cultural situation, uh, sufferings in our own church and so forth, there are many vulnerabilities now to spiritual desolation. And so this teaching gets increasingly important. Um, If we learn Ignatius's rules, it helps us stay on our feet solidly uh, in the midst of things that otherwise could tend to pull us down. So it's an enormous source of hope and encouragement. And that's why I just love to see every Catholic in the world um, knowledgeable in this. Ah, very good. Well, again, those two websites to uh, find out more about our spiritual director today, Father Timothy Gallagher, you can go to his website. That's FR for Father, frtimothygallagher.org. And you can also go to discerninghearts.com for more resources on spiritual direction and the discernment of spirits. Looks like we have Laura back from Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. Let's go to her. Laura, thank you for calling into the inner life. Mr. Gallagher, thank you very much. And Patrick, I am, my question is, do you think that every... Catholics would be encouraged to read the Ignatian Spiritual Exercises. And if you're familiar with the book that Dr. Carl O'Brien wrote, um, the parish that I've attended for years plans on using that and is encouraging people to have a spiritual director. 
However, when I was talking to a priest a while back, I was letting him know my spiritual practices, and he said, you don't need spiritual direction. Um, can you also address concerns? Because there are some people, sadly, that are troubled, and there was one individual that I talked to that represented they were a spiritual director, but within about three minutes of talking to them, I was very concerned that uh, they were being referred patients. Thank you very much, and God bless. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are several important questions uh, in that, Laura. Uh, firstly, as regards reading the book of the spiritual exercises, that's not really a book that Ignatius wrote to be read, you know, like spiritual reading, let's say Francis de Sales' Introduction to the Devout Life and so forth. It's a very succinct, densely written manual for a the retreat director who is giving the Ignatian spiritual exercises. So the, the common experience when uh, somebody just picks it off the shelf and tries to read it, uh, which was mine many years ago as well, before I knew anything about this, is that it's just difficult and uh, somewhat confusing. So I would say that's not the place to start, um, but it'd be better to start with uh, people who do the kind of thing that I've been doing, you know, writing books that make this accessible to people. So uh, I, I don't want to sound self-serving here, but if you're interested, for example, in discernment of spirits, then something like uh, my book, The Discernment of Spirits, An Ignatian Guide for Everyday Living, or let's say Discernment of Spirits in Marriage, or some of the others I think would be good places to start. Ignatius really needs people to mediate uh, his teaching because he didn't write a book for the general um you know, the general populace uh, in the church, but it's a very specific textbook, so to speak, or manual. Uh, and then the question of spiritual direction. I think it is wise. Well, I'd say two things. Uh, can everyone benefit from spiritual direction? I think that's the wisdom of the church. Uh, it is certainly better to be accompanied, as we just said earlier in the spiritual life, than uh, to be alone. And I, I say that reverencing the fact that it can be hard to find uh, a spiritual director, but is it a good thing in itself? It definitely is. And that's the age-old uh, witness of the Church's tradition. But um, the rest of your question gets to another question, and that is, is this person of whom I'm thinking of asking um, the service of spiritual direction, is this person... Uh, to use my own terms, a wise and competent spiritual person. And I think today that would mean a priest, and uh, again, a priest who has some uh, training in this, as more and more priests do these days, which is a wonderful thing. Um, it could be a person in any vocation, uh, religious, layman or woman, but what would be important, I'd say critically important, is that the person have done uh, formal training in spiritual direction. I think today... What you'd really want to see is that this is a person who has completed a program of training in spiritual direction. It doesn't mean that other people may not have spiritual wisdom to share. Um, we all know people who are not formal spiritual directors, but are really pillars of strength. You know, when you, in time of struggle, you go to speak to them. I tends to be people probably in the latter decades of life and who have lived uh, along faithful lives and been through uh, many things probably in their own lives. But in terms of formal spiritual direction, like the process you mentioned in your parish, 
I, I would want to see that this person who is offering that service uh, has had the appropriate training to offer it well. Very good. Thank you, Laura, for the call. Thank you for the questions and um, great advice, Father. Too, as we're, just, I know there's many people. I come across many people uh, who are looking for a spiritual director. They have a lot of questions about how to find a good one, and I think your advice is is really helpful in that regard. We're talking today about discernment of spirits and spiritual direction with our spiritual director, Father Timothy Gallagher. What's been your experience with spiritual direction? Have you found it to be helpful? And if so, uh, in what ways? How have you seen that bear fruit in your life of faith? Give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Maybe you were in a specific time of a big change and you were contemplating that. Maybe it was a time of consolation. Maybe it was a time of desolation. How did you handle that? 888-914-9149 is our phone number. Our email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. We're going to take our next break, but we'll be back with more of The Inner Life right after this. So stay with us. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com slash quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, Thomas Angus, for taking your phone calls, and our spiritual director, Father Timothy Gallagher, who I... Father, you were you were shying away from uh, self promotion, so I'll do it for you. Uh, your book, your book on uh, discernment of spirits, Ignatian discernment of spirits, and uh, an Ignatian guide to everyday living, um, was profound when I was reading it, and I'm just being reminded over and over again in the show today how I need to go back and reread it. So grateful for that, and grateful for all of your work in helping people discern spirits and also recognize the direction of God in their lives. And I know I'm not the only one, so let's go back to the phones. We've got Michelle calling in from Delaware. Michelle, welcome to the program. Thanks for calling. Hi. Um, I'm by no means anywhere near mastery, but I did want to share my experience um, with, I believe it's number five, where you know you stick with your spiritual practices and desolation. And um, I lost my firstborn son mm. uh, to suicide. And at the time, I had just been um, practicing mental prayer, and it was bearing a lot of fruit, and I just didn't have an appetite, um, not just for food, but for scripture. And But I remembered that. Um, of course, maybe that's a different kind of desolation, but I certainly was desolate. And so I would come downstairs, and I would sit at the table, and... I could only take in a little bit, so I condensed the amount of scripture that I was using for that practice, but I just want to say that the fruit from sticking with that in such a time, it can't even be measured. (laughs) I mean, it just carried me, and the joy that I experienced in the midst of sorrow was a first and um i'm just i'm just not even the same person so 
I just wanted to share that. Wow, what a beautiful experience. And um, you can see, uh, Michelle, uh, Patrick, why I just wish every Catholic in the world knew this teaching, because that's the difference that it can make. Uh, Just to have known in the light of that Rule 5, no, even though um, I may not have the same energy, I'm going to be faithful to that prayer. Such a beautiful thing, and then finding uh, the difference that it made, that you could say joy, you know, even in the midst of sorrow. So um, that's very holy ground. Uh, I approach that with great reverence and uh, with great gratitude to God to hear that. And Michelle, I wish everybody in the Church could share that same teaching, which can make that kind of difference in our lives. I've seen it save marriages. I've seen it save, literally save lives. Um, and in the day-to-day, so many harmful decisions that are not made because simply of that Rule 5 and so many good decisions that are made. So um, thank you for just a, a beautiful testimony to something that could bless every single Catholic. Indeed. Thank you, Michelle, for the phone call. May your son rest in peace. But uh, so grateful that you were able to definitely sense the the joy, as you put it, the joy of God, that God met you in that place of suffering and sorrow and desolation. So thank you for the phone call and for being with us here on The Inner Life today, Michelle. Let's go now to Evangeline, who's calling in from South Lake, Texas. Evangeline, thanks for calling Inner Life. Welcome. Okay, good morning. I would like to ask Father, what will I bring, like questions in spiritual direction? And could you help me understand the question a little more? I missed a word or two there. Like, what what do I bring? Oh, do I bring? Okay, great. Wonderful question. That's actually the best possible question you could ask about spiritual direction. Hmm. Spiritual direction is um, it's different from uh, what we call pastoral counseling. Let's say, for example, uh, a couple is encountering an issue in their family life. They go to a priest uh, to get advice on it. It's certainly uh, very different from the counseling process, which works with uh, psychological issues and tries to find uh, increasing strength and growth. All of those are beautiful things, but spiritual direction is unique in that the focus of spiritual direction is the individual's relationship with God. So as the person lives, let's say in this case, uh, your daily spiritual life, uh, you try to pray and you find prayer helpful, but you have questions, you're not quite sure how to understand various things. You consider taking this new step to grow in the spiritual life, which might mean uh, involvement in the parish in a a different way or um, more time spent here and so forth. And then also you experience, um, in line with what we've been saying in this uh, conversation, times of spiritual consolation when God feels close, times of spiritual desolation when you struggle more. All of this richness, which is our relationship with God, that's the focus of spiritual direction. So when a person comes for spiritual direction, um, obviously you're going to have some, uh, some mutual greetings and so forth. But very quickly, the conversation is going to go right to this. And so probably uh, you'd be speaking about your prayer and what's happening. Uh, if you find fruitfulness in it, if you are struggling with this or have questions about that or unsure, then maybe about this other aspect of um, how you're living your vocation in response to the Lord's call and so forth. 
that's the focus of spiritual direction. Hmm. Evangeline, great question, and uh, it just prompts a couple of others in my mind, Father. One being, uh, is it ever appropriate, or when is it appropriate, I should say, uh, to maybe change spiritual directors or to seek out a new spiritual director? Or, or uh, related to that, how long should I be seeing any spe- specific spiritual director? Is there kind of a, a suggested amount of time? As long as it's helpful. Okay. So I'll say that um, at one point I had uh, the same priest as spiritual director for 20 years until the Lord took him you know, to his eternal reward. As long as it's helpful. So there is no um, three years and it's time to change or anything like that. The, the question is, is this spiritual direction helping me? And if it is, um, bless the Lord and go forward with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. And maybe just on the very practical level, um, some people might be hearing this and just deciding for the first time, I'm going to I'm gonna do this. I'm going to seek out a spiritual director. And I know that you said there, there's a bit of a paucity of spiritual directors, especially in certain areas and that sort of thing. But what's the right first step to take to find a spiritual director, Father? Is it just to go and speak with your parish priest? Well, I'd say the first thing is... Uh, if you don't have a spiritual director and you are searching and haven't found the director, I would just keep in mind what we said earlier, that it's not either a spiritual director or being alone in the spiritual life. There are many other ways of being accompanied, and all of those are accessible to us, and so I would always keep those in mind. Having said that, how do I search for a spiritual director? I think what we do is that as we live our life in the church, So you're going to Mass, uh, you're hearing a priest preach, you're going to confession, and you're experiencing probably different priests in the sacrament of of confession. Um, You you may get a sense, you know, this priest seems like someone that I could speak with. Or it may be uh, a a trained spiritual director, you know, that uh, in, in a different vocation, but who is also accessible in the area. I think what we do is we cast a wide net and we can even ask people whose judgment, uh, in whose judgment we're confident, you know, and who might know of other options of spiritual directors in the area, priests or otherwise. And then out of that, choose the one that seems the most uh, likely candidate. Ask, ask just to meet and speak. Okay. See if that goes well. Ask a second time and you're on your way. Very good. Well, Father, it's been a great pleasure to have you on the program today as our spiritual director. Would you give us your blessing, please, before we let you go? Heavenly Father, we lift up our hearts together through geographical space united view. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father. FRTimothyGallagher.org is how to stay in touch with Father Gallagher that way. Check out relevantradio.com slash innerlife. And until tomorrow, grace and peace.